On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's Tall Can Audio. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, eh? Hello and welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. Matt, how you doing today? We won. We won. We Unfortunately, won. since I bet on the other team, we won't be going for ice cream after the game. I'm good. <laughs> are are you a bet against your team kind of person? Nah, I'm just a cheap Simpsons quote kind of person. That's all. Uh, it's okay. a little Chief Wiggum and the uh, Lisa hockey game. And the, anyway, yeah, I'm good. Jays win it in 10 innings. Baseball season underway. We're off and running. Uh, I'm ready for anything now. How about you? Jay's How are you on, doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, you know, I'm here. Preparing it's to be locked down once again. Preparing to Although be locked down really. once again. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, who knows what it is at this point? I know work was very busy today. Every time there's one of the, these announcements, it's a little crazy at the hospital. So I, uh, I spent, uh, it, I was very busy today and didn't get a chance. I, I didn't even get to watch much of the Jays, yeah. you know, opening day game. That yeah. was kind of a bummer, but I, I caught a little bit of it right. uh, in the background. It was just nice to have some baseball on TV, right? Especially working from home at, you know, an afternoon yeah. start isn't all that bad no, on a I- Thursday. I see people calling it a mock down because, you know, we're not actually locking anything down. We just like to sound doff. It's dofo. That's, a good That's one. what he does. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. We were, I was puttering away here in the, uh, in the studio today and, uh, getting some things redecorating a little, to be honest with you. And, uh, so had the game on in the, in the background and, um. Yeah, people will be able to stay tuned on our Instagram at Tall Can Audio. I'm going to show some of that off a little bit, but yeah. Uh, Are you Marie condoing g- your uh, your studio there? No, uh, nothing brings me joy. It's the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I had to pitch to everything I owned at this point, if that's what the standard was supposed to be. So uh, did you get into that at all? I, I never watched any. I, like, I know the concept. I, I know the name. I, I, I just don't. I never saw it. I didn't. I'm not much of a a decor person, but I, I am a big fan of the, uh, the minimalists. I don't know if mm. you've watched any of their documentaries. They have a couple documentaries on, on Netflix and they, I, I've always been like, I don't buy things for like decor purposes. Like I, I have, I'm very utilitarian in, in my, uh, decorating of my house. Like it, I, I it serves a purpose. And if it doesn't serve a purpose, I probably don't have oh, it. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm, it's not necessarily like, I'm not a sentimental person. I'm not mm-hmm. packing things away because they hold great value. I'm more like, I might need that someday. Like I have yeah. a, I had, I was one of those guys who had a big box 
of every type of cable you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and this was like before, um, the iPhone and the, the Samsung phones where like each company, Nokia or whoever, like they all had their own proprietary phone cable. So I had like this box full of phone chargers for phones that haven't been made since like 2007. And I'm like, no, that could come back. Like it's never coming back. Nothing else will ever use that charger again, throw it out. And like old, like just standard, um, I don't remember what they call it, but just for like cable TV, right? Cable has that one twist on, whatever. I had like eight of those in this box. Like, oh yeah. And, and the, this box like moved with me like four or five times. I'm like, no. And, and like it would come from a closet and then move into another closet and not be opened. And uh, finally on this last move, uh, most of the box was discarded. It was difficult, but uh, that's the, uh, so I am sort of a stow things away and, and, but you know, you called it utilitarian. I am doing it with the thought that I might use this. I might need this. Exactly. But you I never, never know. I, it, I never. A good <laughs> test, like I think Oprah used to say this, like if you haven't worn it, this is in reference to clothes, but right. if you haven't worn it in six months, throw it away or something like that or a year or whatever it is. So I think there are certain things. And and listen, like Oprah's I have a never junk lived drawer. in Canada. That's true. If I haven't worn it in six like, months, well, it just means seasonal, it's winter yeah. again. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> But like I've got a junk drawer with stuff that I'm never going to use again. And every, usually once every, I'd say once every year, but let's be honest, once every couple of years, we'll go through that junk drawer and just pitch, you know, a bunch of stuff. Guys, no, if I have that drawer, it just sits there. there. I have DVDs and CDs that I don't think I still have anything to play them on anymore, but I'm like, no, those, those are not going anywhere. Like, so yeah, we have a whole shelf in our basement. I say that I'm very utilitarian, but evidently I have a little bit more than I lead on. We have a whole. (laughs) like bookshelf in our basement that is filled with DVDs mm. that we have not gotten rid of. And we really don't use cause most of them are on Netflix, <laughs> but I'm, I'm so afraid that DVDs and Blu-rays are going to one day make some sort of vintage comeback and right. be useful. And I'm going to have thrown away thousands of dollars worth of DVDs, much like my parents did with their, the VHSs yes. of my Disney films. You oh, never know. I was just going to ask you, were you a Disney kid? And did you have all those big yes. box cartoons? Absolutely. They are all in a dump somewhere. Oh, no. Now, Disney Plus has eradicated, I think, a lot of the use of the VHSs. But there was a time period where those things were kind of going up in value. And maybe they still are. I don't know. They, I'm just too afraid. No, you're so right. Like, they came in these big, beautiful boxes. Like, we we had them all, like, um, later on, like, Lion King and Aladdin oh, yeah. and all of those. And then, like, their multiple sequels and stuff. But, like, my mom would also buy, and I, maybe as kids, my sisters watched them. I can't really remember. But we had them all, like, Cinderella and Snow White and... And they used to call it like they would go in the vault, right? Like you couldn't buy them all the time. You Cinderella would only yeah. come out like once every few years or whatever. And so you'd go buy. And we had this big like shelf beside the TV with all of these Disney movies on them. And I think my mom still got them. And a couple of times like she'd be like, maybe I should donate them or maybe I should throw them out. And there's this weird thing. It's like, no, like those are, you I don't know why. They're still just a VHS that you're never going <laughs> to actually watch again. But I don't know. There's just something about the Disney ones that uh, have a different value or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's sentimental value. I, I know that I bought Aladdin, I think, on DVD when it came out of the vault uh, when I was an adult. Like, I was in my early 20s, right. and I fully went to HMV. Nice. Uh, for, for those of you who are catching up with this generation. 
went to HMV and I purchased Aladdin for probably like 30 bucks again as a woman in her early 20s because I am well adjusted. Food. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of being an adult, mm. what are you drinking today, Matt? Right. <laughs> we should get to the point here. Um, I am into the Three Rocks IPA from the Second Wedge Brewing Company. And I'm looking second f- wedge. I'm looking for a town here on the can and not finding it. Uh, that'll be something for you kids at home to Google. Uh, the second wedge brewing company. This is a strong IPA, six percent. Um, like I, I've said a few times, people have been giving me crap online about it's always a stout, it's always a porter. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. But here it is. It's an IPA, just to mix it up for you people. What do you got going on? So. First of all, to answer your question, it looks like uh, Second Wedge Brewing is in Uxbridge, Ontario. Oh, hey, not far from home. Okay, I was like, I don't know where Uxbridge is. Yeah, just kind of north of like, uh, yeah, yeah, north of like Whitby, um, Pickering area, kind of. Okay, okay. All right, I am going with, uh, and you'll appreciate this, Mm -hmm. a little Vimy Pale Ale. Oh! There you go. Nice. We went to Vimy... Oh God, a few weeks ago and stocked up and there is, Josh went and bought, you know, I think six of everything essentially. So the stout, the red, the cream ale and the pale ale. And I completely, we, we have like a small beer fridge in our basement and normally we keep it pretty well stocked, but there's always some that can't fit. So it sits in our, our little mud room mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of, you know, we restock the fridge as we need to. And I completely forgot that we had like six pale ale sitting there. So last weekend I threw it all in the fridge and been making my way through it. I forgot how good Vimy's pale ale is. I, uh, I have Vimy related news. (gasps) Uh, is this breaking news? Well, in last year around this time, my heart was breaking. Um, I don't know if you heard the tale or not. And a couple of listeners did. I will briefly say about two or three weeks into this new life we were all living, being locked down. I'm like, you know what? I love having this keg fridge. I'm going to get one keg delivered and I don't now have to go to the beer store or the liquor store or whatever for weeks. Cause I'm not going to be having company. I'm not, it's just, it's going to be perfect. And then I got a keg of my Vimy stout, which is always where I like to go. And, um, I woke up like two days later and I was walking around. It sounded like my smoke detector was broken. Like it was kind of this long, constant, high-pitched squeal. And it wasn't like horribly loud, but it was pretty irritating. And through the, I, I couldn't find it. Like I, I'm looking at my smoke detector. It's nothing. I'm like, it's fine. I'm looking at the, the carbon monoxide detector. It's fine. And I'm looking around my kitchen. Everything's fine. My electron... And I'm walking back across my dining room and I stop dead and my head does this slow, sad turn towards the keg fridge. So I walked over just to see, I unplugged the keg fridge and the noise stopped. And when I plugged it back in, the noise was back, but much louder. Um, And this was, if I'm being honest, the fridge was already on its last legs. It would do this thing like once or twice a day where it sounded like a jet engine taking off, which isn't normal for a fridge really. Uh, So apparently it had just had enough at the worst possible time. So not only do I now have a brand new full keg sitting in a fridge that no longer functions, my, you know, master plan of surviving the pandemic via keg is also in jeopardy. And I, uh, for like two or three days, like as long as it could stay cold, unplugged, right. You didn't open the door much. I was pouring, 
Um, I have a couple of like home, uh, like growlers I've picked up from different things. So I'm filling those and putting them in the fridge. I'm filling those and taking them to my buddy's place. who's a few weeks away. Like here, drink this please. And he's like, well, I have a couple empty growlers downstairs. I'm like, all right, like hand them over. We're filling this up, (laughs) trying to get rid of as much of this beer as we could. I'm handing it out to anybody in the neighborhood I know. And, uh, at that point, half the world decided I'm going to remodel my home. I'm going to do whatever. I need a new fridge for this. Like people were just stuck at home, got bored, building decks, putting in pools, whatever was going on. Also included fridges. Couldn't find what we needed for a long time. Um, finally did in the fall and, uh, made the necessary adjustments. It's here now. And it has, as of yesterday, a brand new keg of Vimy Stout in it. Chilling nicely. Boom. Finally. Happy day. Yes. Happy day. And I would have thought at the time that that broke down, like a year into this, I won't still be worried about needing pandemic beer, but here we are. I still need pandemic beer. And, uh, so I sent the message to Vimy cause they know like they used to deliver the kegs. They know I had the fridge, all this stuff. They're good guys over there. I said, we have the new fridge and just got a message back. Said, We're ready for you, Matt. Like, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> We've been waiting. Yes, exactly. So, well, that is very exciting. News. Big day. Happy for big you. day. Yeah. We needed it today. Yes. So speaking of uh, needing some comfort, mm. which I think a lot of us uh, need this week, uh, th- I, I guess I, I shouldn't call it comfort because it depends on how you look at it. But mm. the, the Norm Powell article on the Players Tribune. Yeah. I mean, th- if you're a Toronto fan reading this, maybe it brought you comfort. Maybe it made you sad. <laughs> maybe it gave you a little bit of both. I found myself sitting somewhere in the middle. Norm Powell, who many of you may remember now that it happened a week ago, uh, was traded to the uh, uh, Blazers uh, trade deadline day from the Raptors. Obviously a, a sad day for Raptors fans. Kyle Lowry wasn't traded, but Norm Powell was. Yeah. So a little bit of a... a I don't want to say it's huge shock. Like he was certainly one of the players rumored to be on the training block. But anyway, he wrote a piece on the Players Tribune kind of documenting his experience uh, with the trade, how his teammates reacted, how he reacted, and then sharing some of his favorite memories as a Raptor. And it was, you know, it was fun to read it. Uh, and I'll get your thoughts on this map. It was fun to read it as a, as a Raptors fan, mm-hmm. right? You're going through all these fun memories, the championship and even like the not so fun memories, the DeMar trade and, but Kawhi coming in and all this stuff. It was, it was a very kind of roller coaster ride of an article, but uh, what, what did you think of it? How did you read it? Was it comforting or was it like day or the heart? Yeah. You know what? It had a, it had elements of both because I am very at times um, sort of callous about these things. Like, yeah, it's a business that happens or whatever. At the same time, and I'm at best as, as, as our listeners know, like a, a casual Raptors fan, anything but an expert basketball guy. But I do enjoy, especially since the run, they kind of hooked me. I've, I've gotten more into it. You get to know the guys a little bit more and you watch more games, all these sorts of things. Um, so yeah, it, it made you sad a little bit that the business element did move here and, and push someone out who clearly valued being a Raptor, loved the city of Toronto. Uh, he told stories about being brought in for like his, for like a pre-draft workout and just feeling like, oh yeah, like this is where I want to be. Um, so I thought it was a really well written thing. I think often they could help with these things and, and that's fine. Um, but it did feel like it was from the heart. If I'm being honest, the thing that stood out to me the most and it's something that, that you hardcore Raptors fans should take some pride in is this is something that 
five years ago, 10 years ago, wouldn't have got put together, wouldn't have been posted, wouldn't have been written. This organization has gone through a transformation like, like very few, right? Like you were kind of this weird dinosaur named thing north of the border. Nobody wanted to come to Toronto. It was going to be super cold because no one's ever heard of Minnesota or Boston or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's transformed, right? Like they're, they've done a wonderful job. And I think most of that probably goes to Maasai, but, but people liked playing for, and, and our Raptors guy here, Maddie Lang, he'll freak out on me for saying this, but people respected Dwayne Casey, right? Did a really nice job with, for the time he was here. Uh, people respect Nick Nurse. People obviously respect Maasai Ujiri and they built a champion. They did what they had to do to get it done. And I, I just thought that this piece really illustrated nicely that they've turned that organization into something that, that players talk about and players enjoy and, and respect now. And whether you're going to be able to lure in the big free agent to come to another country, that's a whole other thing, but people don't look down their nose at the Raptors anymore. And I thought that that was the first thing that jumped out to me, to be honest with you, when I read the thing. That's a really good point. And you're right. They've, they've become a, I don't want to say they weren't, you know, a world-class organization. I don't know much about how they functioned before, but mm-hmm. they were the forgotten child of the NBA for a very sure. long time. And, the, and uh, you know, you, you think back to the Chris Bosh situation where, um, with all due respect to Chris Bosh, he, he was a great player when he was with the Raptors, but then when he left and went to Miami, he said a few things that I think hurt a lot of Raptors yes. fans, right? Like, oh, it was different there. You just knew it was different. And you didn't get a ESPN and, you know, like, yeah, weird, like, like weird things like that. Like, what a weird way to carve... Who cares? Like, yeah, and and but that was I think that was what Raptors fans were used to, right? Was just being this outlier, yep. and the only Canadian team in in an American league, and often being forgotten. And then you know, when McGrady leaves and Vince leaves, and yeah, like all it, that, all that was I mean, just burn after burn yeah. after burn, and it felt like you know, being a Raptors fan was no offense, like being a Leafs fan and for a very long time. I know they're good mm. now, but come on. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it, where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it just felt like it, it was so hard to take pride in being a Raptors fan and the championship helps for sure. But I feel like even before they won the championship, mm-hmm. they were turning a page and you're right. Masai Ujiri is a huge part of that, but, but they've just, they've, built their reputation as not only a champion and and a champion caliber team and a team that people want to play for, but a notable team. Yeah. A team that, that players not only are curious, you know, know about, are curious about, maybe want to play there, but players take great pride in playing there. It, it, you know, the way that Kyle Lowry um, described it when he was talking to Norm Powell and Norm Powell wrote about this in his article, like you're a part of this history, yeah, right? What they, what they've done in the last few years is historic and, and it will go down in history. And, you know, DeMar didn't want to leave, right? We traded exactly. DeMar, right? It, it almost becomes a, like, I don't know. It, it was just cool to me to see that, um, this was a guy who wasn't afraid of coming to Canada at first and then was sad to leave Canada when it, when it did happen. Right. And, and they've turned that organization, um, MLSE's done a nice job of, of building that into something respected and, um, you know, a first class organization that is now looking like it's going to take a step back and have to rebuild a little bit, but most sports franchises at some point have to do that. Uh, I think what they've accomplished over the last several years will allow them to do it with a little more dignity than maybe they would have 
the last couple times they've had to do it. So that was kind of what stood out to me. I'm going to rebuild myself in the eyes of Leafs fans a little bit here, but I mean, there's no secret that the the Raptors and Leafs are owned by MLSE, the mm-hmm. same company. And it's been pretty well known that Kyle Dubas likes to talk to Masai Ujiri and, sure. and, you know, get I'd tips so. on how to build a yeah. championship team. Does this make you, um, how does this make you feel as a Leaf fan? Are, are you comforted by this? Do you feel more secure in, in, in what your organization is building? Um, I don't know. I, I, everybody knows I, I'm a Kyle guy. I, I think he's made a mistake or two here and there. Nobody's perfect. Right. But I, I already kind of respected and, and was cheering on this new direction that Dubas wanted to take the team. So I don't know if this necessarily did much for me as a Leaf fan, as much as just kind of, you know, remind people that MLSE is a, a world-class organization and and maybe that would have been the only kind of tie to the Leafs. I, I just kind of wanted to, you know, it, it, it was just cool to see this guy who came from, from California, like so many before him and went, yeah, like, this is cool. This is a cool place to live. This is a cool place to play a uh, cool fan base. And, and the Raptors fans are often dwarfed kind of by the, the whole Leaf thing, but you know, stepped out, did the thing, won a title and, um, aren't dwarfed by anybody anymore. So yeah, I don't know as a Leaf fan that it did too much for me. I, I've often hoped, and and you're so right, it, it does appear to be the case. There's no reason Kyle shouldn't be talking to Masai all the time, right? Like you, mm-hmm. best practices, all these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, as a Leaf guy, I, I don't know that I read too much into it, reading Norm's article and, and having that reaffirmed. I do think the Leafs are a, a, obviously a, a top-notch organization. They have the resources and, and maybe this kind of transitions nicely into what was likely going to be our next topic. It, that's exactly where I was going. So, yeah. so there was another article that uh, was kind of circulated this week in The Athletic about uh, Alex Galchenyuk and how, and I'll quote it, he was broken <laughs> and the Leafs are building him back up. Now, I will add... He's six games in yes. to being a Toronto You're Maple Leaf, so, right. so I'm just no goals laying, yet. Yeah, three points in yep. six games, all yep. assists, no goals. And there is something I, funny about the Leafs aren't broken, right? Like I, even as a long scarred broken Leafs fan myself, like you know, people who are top the division. Yes, that's right. And but it's funny to me that Leafs have broken so many players slash fans that. They're now bringing in a broken player to fix. I, I did enjoy that, but to, I'm sorry. Continue to tee us up here. Well, the, no, that brings up a good point. So like my, I don't necessarily disagree in principle with the idea that Alex Galchenyuk may find a role on this team. Mm-hmm. He's playing with Nylander and Tavares already. So right away, his line mates are exponentially better than they were on the fourth line in Ottawa. Right. And he got some time in the AHL to kind of work on some of the basics. At least that's what the article talked about. I've never, I've never read an article that spent so much time talking about a veteran NHLer getting time in the AHL. But <laughs> I, I get, I get the sentiment that hey, they're t- they're hoping to re- to really give him time and space to pre- to find his game again. But and, and and I think that you know three or four weeks down the line, if if Galchenyuk had kind of continued this and maybe put up a few goals this would have been absolutely spot on but it just felt a little too early to me i get that, that. like it's it, he's six games in man yep. and and we've seen this is not the first time you know he's on his sixth team in the last three years 
this is not the first time we've seen the will Galchenyuk find his game in this city on this team. Right. He's been to Pittsburgh, narrative. which also had some stars that had a hard time getting him going. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Pittsburgh so knows what I'm, they're doing. It felt like very typical Toronto Maple Leafs, like very yeah. specific article, uh, you know, media talking about a, a very minute topic, but we're also in the middle of the season. And I get that this is, you got to find storyline somewhere. Right. And, and this is, I, I felt it was a little too premature, but I, I, I don't fair, necessarily yeah. disagree that maybe this is where Gal, I hope Gal Chenya can, can find his game or, or rebuild his career because you never like to see, you know, guys who put 30 goals up on the board. Yeah. Third overall season, pick, third overall pick, a very offensively talented player. You never like to see them fizzle out in quite the fashion that it looked like Galchenyuk was. Yep. But you know, I, I do feel like it was it was a little premature. Where, where did you land on this? And this is why I wanted to discuss it with you, knowing he had come from Ottawa. Um, and I, frankly, I, I, I believe when we talked about it at the time, you were in the same boat. I, I can't remember for sure. I know I was sort of like, give this guy a shot. Right. Like he spent some games scratch, give him a look, see what he can do. And, um, as it went on, it wasn't working and, and that's fine. Maybe he would have turned it around. Maybe he wouldn't. I'm with you in the sense that can we get him to score a goal before we do the Alex Gilchenyuk is fixed article. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that that's necessarily what this was. What stood out to me though, that I did find interesting, and this is sort of the contrast that I wanted to discuss with you between Toronto and Ottawa and the way they do business and the size of the organizations and the willingness to spend from ownership and management and stuff. As a Leaf fan, this is what I want them to do, right? I want them to go find the guy who clearly has skill, clearly has talent, and put him in your system where you're spending more than almost anybody else on player development, on skating coaches, on video coaches, on analytics, on you know, physio and, you know, being able to study his actual body movements. I want them to get that guy, um, and see, right. I even thought, to be honest with you, it might've been a little too early to put him in the Leafs lineup. Uh, now they ran into some injuries, which still didn't, they didn't do it right away. They still waited. They played other guys, but if you are, you know, there's a cap, right. You're not allowed to spend this much on, on any more than this amount on players. And then in off seasons, apparently the Leafs are breaking the cap circumvention by opening their practice rank or something. I, I don't know what everybody's whining about today. Um, this is what you should do. You should have all these coaches. You should have all this kind of staff. You should go find the guy who might be on his last rope, which is sort of what this article indicated. You know, you cleared waivers or, you know, bring them in. That See what <laughs> That was the thing that kind of weirded me out though. Sorry to interrupt you about, um, and I, I think it was about getting a contract off the books, but it's like Galchenyuk cleared waivers and then the Leafs traded for him. Once, Why didn't they pick him up? Um, was it about just getting, I think they got rid of two contracts. That was part of it. To. Yeah. You traded two for one, which freed up a roster spot. But also if you claim him off waivers, he's an NHL contract. He counts against the cap. And now you have to put him on waivers to send him down. If you let him clear, then trade for him. You can send him straight to the Marlies. He's not okay. counting. He's what it's making sure he's going to be a minor league guy when you pick him up. Right. Okay. That makes, that makes sense. I, I, I should have researched that, but I remember thinking like, why is this happening? But you know, that makes complete sense. So yeah, like to me, this is the type of thing that you do still have 
as you know, as a financial powerhouse in the league, you do still have the might to do, um, go out and get it done. I don't know if Alex Galchenyuk's going to be anything. He's on a line with John Tavares and William Nylander. They're going to make a lot of people look really good, right? He should have three assists in six games playing with those two guys. They're going to bury some. I want to see if he can. Maybe he's a placeholder if they go out and trade for a top six forward. We'll see. I just, I thought the article was interesting because Dubis, who I'm on the record as being a bit of a fanboy for, and the article says he, he looked at Galchenyuk and said, that player's broken and I think we can fix him. Good. Let's do that, right? Let's see if they can use their financial might to take some risks, take some chances, bring guys in and see what, because they did it with Tyler Ennis, right? They've done it with other guys who look like they're kind of on their last legs, come in, work with our medical staff, work with our coaches, and we'll see if we can put you back together. And Tyler Ennis is never going to go back to being a top six forward again, but he's gotten jobs ever since, right? He's back in Ottawa. He's back. He's out in Edmonton. He's, he's able to play. So that was the part of it that made, I thought was kind of cool as a leaf guy. Wasn't necessarily so much about Galchenyuk because the jury is absolutely still out on that, but just the idea that this is one area that teams like Toronto teams like Montreal or New York, uh, you know, I don't know who's doing what, but Toronto absolutely, uh, that's what I want to see them do as a, as someone who trusts Kyle. Yeah. Cool. You think you can fix that guy? Let's try and fix that guy. Absolutely. And and this is what, this is what championship teams do. And if they at least want to be a championship team with it, the, which they are obviously hoping to be this year, this is the year, this is our, this time. is the year. <laughs> Plan the parade, man, yes. that no one's going to be able to attend. Um, <laughs> the, you know, this is, you look at the Chicago Blackhawks, for example, right? What did they do? They had a core of players that they they inserted depth guys around and just cycled those guys out year in, year out, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they brought them back, didn't always go well. But Alex Galchenyuk is that quintessential player who you bring in for very low dollar amount, mm-hmm. low cap hit, low risk ultimately, who has the potential playing with the right players to put up some points. And that is all they're asking of him is to just basically sit here and we will give you the puck, please score. (laughs) And he is like, I know that he has struggled in recent years, but you saw a a very, I'll say singular flash of it in Ottawa. Okay. (laughs) One goal that did stand out to me because he just, he has that scoring instinct. He has a great shot and he can get into the right places. I'm not going to judge his current abilities on his play in Ottawa because he was playing on a fourth line with Austin Watson and, you know, like a someone else. or something. Yeah. Like this is the part that I'm having trouble with too, right? Like the jury's still out. We'll see. I, he's yeah. gone from playing with very little help to playing with like elite top end help. How much of each end is him, right? Like, I I think that's the part we're still waiting to see. I haven't seen enough out of him yet that says the Leafs shouldn't be looking for a top six winger if they can find it. But I am fine with him there for now, right? Like, essentially, Leaf fans should look at it. We lost Jimmy Vesey and now Alex Golchenyuk's in. Fine. That's a great point. Fine, right? Like, that that worked. I'm good with that. Is a top six winger really what the Leafs need right now? Like, and, and I'm asking that somewhat ironically, but somewhat seriously, because I've heard that a lot. 
And to me, like, I know they've done a lot of work to fix their, their defense. I feel like goaltending is really where they need some help right now. Yep. But you're not going to bring in, and we talked about this last week, you're not going to bring in serious goaltender help Probably at not. the trade deadline. But, in, you know, you roll with Jack Campbell, see what he can do. Yep. But it, do you think that they need a top six winger? I don't think offense is their problem right now. Um. Most of the time, I yeah. realize they've had games. They they have games where the, as powerful as their offense is, they just don't. They look like they don't know what to do with the puck. Um, but by and large, I feel like I can I can get justifying bringing in a depth winger or yeah. or a depth forward. But top six seems I'm just bold to me. They haven't found you know they, someone they love with Tavares and, and Willie yet. That they just. You know, it, it it hasn't been there. I'm honestly, I've been fine with the defense. Like they went from kind of a 25th, 26th place defense to kind of 10th or through 12th right now. Like that's a pretty good, you know, especially with the money they're spending on it compared to what they're paying up front. I don't have a huge issue. I got to be honest, like, um, I, I just, Brody has been everything we've needed him to be. Hall. I think the haul for Norris talk has mellowed out a little bit over the, uh, the last few weeks as it probably should have, honestly, um, but he's been fine, right? He, he's okay. I just, I don't know what defenseman you would go at. Like a lot of Leaf fans for a little while were, were clamoring on the, the Ekholm thing again, left side, like, I guess you could put him on your third pair and bump Dermot out if, if you want, but is that the best use of your assets, right? I guess if you could find somebody better than Justin Hall to play the right side on that second pair, I'd probably do it. But uh, even on the third pair, like they've been, they've been fine. I just think you need a little help. I'm not, I, I'm not out there calling for Taylor Hall. I don't want to do that. I, I, that, I think that guy might be broken. Um, and and being in Buffalo breaks people. It just kind of happens. Yeah, I don't that's know. A, that's a risky move that, and I don't know what the rest of his cap hit is for the year. It's obviously not that much, but he also has, he's making quite a bit of money. Yeah. Like, and you only have so much left too. So like, to me, it's all relative. I, I just don't think that's the, the spot I would do it. Uh, people have been talking about Granlund out of Nashville. I, I would be interested in, in taking a look at that. Palmieri out of New Jersey. That might be interesting. Like a couple of good two-way guys that maybe would fit there. I, I don't know that we badly need help in the top six, but I think I would feel better. You know, like you said, you're not going to get a goalie and I don't, I just don't really know what you're going to do on the defense. Like Bogosian, I, I was not happy when they did that and he's been fine. He's been better than I expected. Not, oh my God, he's so great, but fine as a third pair, right? Defenseman making 900 grand, whatever he's making, he's been fine. Right? So you could upgrade in some of these places. I just think they feel like if we're going to win, we're going to win scoring at will, right? Shooting the lights out. That's what they're built to do. So bring in somebody who can help do that, but maybe with a little more edge, like a Palmieri or, or like I said, Granlin can kill penalties. He's good in his own end as well as being a, a good offensive player. So those would be more of the kind of second tier top six guys I would be looking at. I'm not, I, I don't want to do the, the Taylor Hall thing. I don't think that's going to work. No, that's, that's risky business. Yeah. I completely forgot what I was going to bring up. Final Literally, four. I brought, I brought my A game today. Yes. We got final four basketball to talk about. 
We sure do. The NCAA Women's Basketball Championship, not called March Madness because that is withheld from the women. Um, <laughs> and because and it's April now. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's April Madness now. Yes. Uh-huh. We will rebrand this. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, the Women's Basketball Championship is in the final four. I don't know, Matt, if you caught the uh, – I've, I've been watching as much women's basketball You've been tweeting up a storm when, on it. It's been crazy. I have. Yeah. I, I apologize for anything. No, it's awesome. For hockey reasons <laughs> because all I've been sharing is women's basketball. It has been entertaining as hell. That UConn-Baylor game was I did watch wild. some of that because of you. Like you, were, you said oh, you're going to want to see this, right? You're going to want to watch – so I did check some of that out and um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't watch buzzer to buzzer, but that's a basketball thing more than a gender thing for me. <laughs> like it, it does have a hard Fair time enough. holding me, uh, but I did like, there was some, and you'll correct me. Uh, I can't remember her name now, but there was someone just dropping threes from all over the goddamn place, right? Like just likely page backers. Yeah, it was page back. And I yeah. remember that now because the convenience store stands out to me. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about her. Before. Yes. Yeah, she was fantastic. She's a freshman, if you can wow. believe it. She just won actually the uh, the freshman of the year award, um, unsurprisingly. And there was obviously <laughs> the big uh, freshman showdown with her and Caitlin Clark when uh, UConn took on Iowa in the uh, uh, Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. But my God, is she ever good? She, like I, I tweeted something along these lines, but like if she has even an iota of space. She is dropping that three. Like there's, they were covering her and they were doing a pretty good job at covering her, mm-hmm. uh, Baylor. And um, sorry, she won the national player of the year, not the freshman of the year. Even better. She's Damn. a freshman and she won player of the year. Wow. Let that sink in. That's nuts. Um, but if, if she had any space whatsoever, she was dropping that three. It, mm. it was freaking wild. And uh, it's it's just been so much fun to watch. And and Baylor, you know, no slouch themselves. Uh, they they were super, super entertaining. And uh, I, I just, man, everything about that game was insane. Uh, full credit goes to, I, I think, Dee Dee Richards of Baylor was covering Paige Becker's for I think at least the first half right. and she she was doing a great job she actually got injured um I think early in the second half uh and and obviously was unable to play after that and, and Paige had a little more space but it was it was wild it was just so much fun to watch well so we're down to the final four who do you like I gotta go. I gotta go. UConn. Uh, I, at least that's who I'm rooting for. Right. Um, they're playing Arizona in the Final Four, and then uh, Stanford's taking on South Carolina. I've UConn is who I've watched the most of. I think the Arizona game in the Elite Eight was right after the UConn game, and I was exhausted. And uh, <laughs> I'm spent. <laughs> it was much past my bedtime. Right. Um, but UConn Arizona is at nine thirty on Friday, so I have to find a way. Now San Francisco Carolina is at six, so at least I'm going to be well awake for that. But I've got to find a way to keep myself awake. That's I know a long it's a weekend, night. champ. Off, come on. No, I know I have to. <laughs> There's no excuses. I have to. Um, but it's it's going to be hard, even on weekends, man. I'm still in bed by like ten. <laughs> I'm so old. And I'm only 31. <laughs> I'm so old. I can't stay up late. Um, but yeah, it. I, I'm. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to the final four. And I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I haven't watched a single second of the men's game. <laughs> I've, I've been watching all women's well, uh, and, NCAA. And, and it looks like it's doing pretty well, right? Like the ratings and the attention that it's getting, and uh, on social especially, right? Like it, it does seem to have really. 
Um, you know, maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but it seems no, you're right. compared to last year, you know, last year's not fair <laughs> compared to maybe two years ago, three, it, it, it's caught on. Right. And, and people yep. are talking about it, which is awesome. Absolutely. There's, there's, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's been some, I don't think we have ratings at this point. No, we have, we've yeah, over yeah, a million yeah. people sure I think, we've seen tuned some, into yeah. the elite eight. Um, I think and, I saw and it was up like 30%, lot. which is nuts. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And they've been talking a lot about the social engagement as yes. well, which has just been through the roof. So people are talking about it. But if, if you're looking for reading material, mm. I highly uh, recommend checking out the Washington Post article about the NCAA and their essentially blatantly lying Uh-oh. about the amount of money that the the women's game brings in. Mm. Uh, we'll tweet out the link. Yep. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the title was, but the, uh, uh, I think it was on the day of the Elite Eight game between UConn and Iowa. Sorry, Sweet 16 game. Um, the Washington Post dropped this article that basically said, like, we know, that, you know, what's the main argument been for any dejectors of women's basketball throughout this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the women's basketball doesn't bring in any money. Doesn't make the NCAA money. They lose money on it, which first of all, let's pretend that's true for one second, <laughs> which is not. The NCAA says and that they are not about making turning a profit, but they are about mm-hmm. investing in sports. Sure, so yeah. theoretically, that's definitely you be what putting, they're about. Exactly. <laughs> So if, if we're going to go by that rock solid logic, um, sh- shouldn't you be reinvesting any property, any profit you do make in the game itself, AKA in the women's game. But no, the problem is the, pr- the problem is the end. There's no way based on the, and what the Washington post article goes into, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing everything. So I really do recommend you go read it, but what they, well, they we go will, into, yeah. well, yeah, we'll share the link to it. But what they talk about is there have been independent financial analysts who have gone in and looked at the financial records that we do have available to us, which is not everything, right? There's a lot of the finances of the NCAA that we don't see. But based on the information we do have, there is no feasible way that this sport does not make money. Mm. There is, I think the division one women's basketball program brings in something like a billion dollars. It's a billion dollar program. They have 77 sponsors for this year alone for the women's game. There's no way this team, no. this, this sport for the NCAA does not make money, but this is what we're told because what happens when the people think that a sport doesn't make money? No one questions why you're not investing in it. Yeah. Right. It's easy to throw away the reason you gave the women a weight tree and a few yoga mats yeah, seriously, the, say, the gym out of a Motel 6 was dropped Jesus. into the March Madness. Sorry, I know we're not allowed to call it that. Oh, yeah, and you also withhold the March Madness brand from them. Like, like there's so many layers to this. It's so complicated to explain. But basically, that you know, we are being lied to mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to, oh, the women's game doesn't make any money. That's what they want us to believe. Yep. And I know I sound very, like, tinfoil <laughs> very happy. It's what they want us to believe, man. <laughs> but we're not going to question their their lack of resources in the, in the women's game when we think that the women's game doesn't make any money. But it just doesn't add – the numbers don't add up. It no. do, there's no reason to believe that the women's game doesn't make money. You don't have to push very hard to get me to believe that the NCAA is crooked as fuck. And so, well, that's the thing. Like, like am to, I surprising anybody? Yeah, honestly, right? Like to think that they might be screwing with the women when they screw with everybody is not hard for me to believe. And yeah, it just so happens that the women are getting worse than anybody else. So, um, yeah, no, it, there's no way, um, that this isn't financially viable, that this isn't profitable, yeah. right? When you start to break it down, when you start to take a look at everything that goes into it. Now we can talk about 
comparing if you want, but not until you're ready to compare what you're putting into it and investing in it first, right? Like it has to be some sort of an equal playing field before it's even fair to start to make these comparisons, right? In terms of return on that investment. Well, there is no return on investment if you don't invest. That's sort of how that works. And that's the thing. Like, again, let's pretend like the, like this is true. And and the women's game doesn't bring any money for the NCAA. It's not a fair comparison when the women's game is given so few resources, marketing dollars. Um, you know, it, it's not a level playing field compared no, to the men's. Not at all. The, the men's are given everything. Yeah. And it's the same across most women's sports, right? Like well, there's again, not the same again, funding. <laughs> the men's tournament is giving every, given everything. The men's players are given. All. That's very true. That's very <laughs> I mean, true. they're given Sorry, the way better gym, student whatever. Athletes. But the NCS yeah, student athletes are given shit from the NCAA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, like breaking news. It's the NCAA messy, is the It's so gross. And it's just, I'm, I get so sick of this men's versus women's because it's, it's apples to apples. It's like, comp- it's like having two people race when, when you have one person start an entire lap be- behind the other. Yes. It's not, it's not fair to go, well, that person's better because they won. Like, no, they had a much better starting point because they're given more funding. They're given more resources, more training, more, uh, better food services, better facilities, uh, more marketing dollars, more marketing attention, more promotion. Like how many, how many women's tournament commercials have you seen? Oh, not many. Yeah. No, uh, like I, hypo- I, the hypothetical. Yeah, no, exactly. Right? Like, no, I hear you. And I saw somebody on Twitter, you know, was asking one of these basketball writers covering the tournament, some asshole in the comments, don't look at the comments folks ever, um, said, you know, well, which would you rather watch if they were both on the men or the women? He goes, I would have no way of answering that question. The women have never been on. Like, I don't have that option. Like we, we haven't conducted that study yet because they're not both on. Right. So at least not to the same degree. And, and, you know, Despite what a lot of people think, like the men's sports receives government funding yes. at many levels, right? Mm-hmm. And and the and the women's game doesn't or receives pennies by comparison. So until we are looking at equitable support, I'm not saying the same amount necessarily, but equitable support because you have to start somewhere, right? I'm not I'm not saying that they should be making millions or they should be given millions or whatever, but they have to be given something to get to the point where they're making millions. Yeah, where you have a shot to make them. Right. You got to give and me a platform. You got to give me somewhere to, you know, like you look no on. further than the, the U S women's soccer team. Right. Yes. I don't think it's breaking news when I tell you that they're kind of good Yeah, and you know, they're number one ranked in the world and they have been for years. They've won four straight FIFA world cups. Um, well, what was it that was just last week that you posted the, oh or my quoted? God. It was like the United States will not be going to the World Cup or something like that. And you're like the United yeah, States. Yeah, so the, the, the men's team uh, didn't qualify for the Olympics. That and was everyone it, yes. was saying that the U.S. soccer team will not be in the Olympics. Right. And, I, and many people, including myself, went, hold up. <laughs> there will be the Americans. The men's yeah. team <laughs> is not going, but the women's team is going and is probably going to at the very least medal and is oh, yes. really expected to, to leave with gold or nothing. Sure, right. Yeah, yeah. And they've been fighting for years for equitable pay and they're not given it despite the fact that, you know, Megan Rapino has talked about this a lot over the last few weeks. They fill stadiums, they get ratings, they're mm-hmm. entertaining as hell. They become a gif every time they play and, and, oh, and they win and have consistently for decades at this point. Well, I'm pretty sure like they do, is are there not like pro 
women's soccer leagues in Europe that like do sell, like maybe not hundred thousand seat stadiums, but certainly fill stadiums, right? Like, and, and have successful professional leagues that people want to go and watch. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, we're, we just don't see the same support there. And, and just to touch on the language thing for a bit, like, mm-hmm. I do think we need to start saying men's sports, men's basketball, men's hockey, whatever. Yeah. It's too, we've made men's sports the default for too long, right? And that's, that's where point. we run into trouble where we say, oh, the, you know, U.S. soccer team isn't going to go to the Olympics. Well, actually, the U.S. soccer team is, it's just their women's team. Right. And if we, if we change the way we look at men's versus women's sports with men being the norm and women being the exception or women being the addition, maybe we change the way people view them. And I know it's, it's such a minor detail and a lot of people don't think it's a big deal, but it is. It, it's one of those things that it, it, it's almost like an unconscious thing where you just look at men as the norm and women as the other. Yes. And that, that is where we run into a huge problem with detractors of it. Right. No, you're so right. That, why does one, like you said, one needs a qualifier. Well, why? Like, what's the difference, right? Or what? Exactly. It's, it's the World Cup of soccer and then it's the Women's World Cup of soccer. Like, well, like, why did you default to one over the other? And, and those are exactly. little things. Those are easy things to change that, you know, now just put everybody on the same level and you just go, okay, carry on. Right. And it, those, those are not big, uncomfortable, difficult, expensive changes. Those are just, you know, a, a show of, I don't know, even a show of, I was going to say a show of respect, but it's almost like get rid of the show of disrespect, right? Like stop yes. painting one as the minor league or whatever it might be. No, there's a men's world cup and there's a women's world cup. Exactly. Exactly. All, all we're asking for is some equality here, folks. It's not that hard. I know that we've been trying for a while, but one day we'll figure it out. I promise. Um, Oof, and I promise eventually. Promise. I'm looking forward to the day where I don't have to come on here. I'm sure people are sick of me raging about women's sports, but I'm looking forward to the day where I don't have to come on here and do it. Right. Where there there isn't something in the news that just. I guess. Right. In the last week or two, there's been something worth raging. I mean, okay. I'm going to reel that back in. There's always been stuff worth raging about. You (laughs) haven't come on much and raged other than the last week or two where it was so blatantly obvious. It was worth discussing, but a lot of the time that we've had conversation about women's sports on here since you've come on the show and, and, and brought some better perspective to it, I, di- I haven't found it to be raging. I've just found it to be, let's talk about the fact that the NWHL is firing back up. Let's talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the fact that there's the first ever women, uh, woman general manager in major league baseball, right? It doesn't always have to be the, the ball busting feminist out to just tell men that they're watching sports wrong. It's just, no, let's just talk about everything that's happening across sports and, and whatever. But the last week or two, there's been stuff worth being pissed about and there often is, but let's put the attention where we find it interesting that week. And if this week it's good and next week it's bad, so be it. Absolutely. Keep Y'all pointing at should it. watch women's basketball final four yeah. Friday, 6 PM, 9 30. And, and tweet at shrides to make sure she's still awake for the second. Yes, <laughs> please, please help me. Help me stay awake. I beg of you. Um, 
Also this weekend, it is a very exciting weekend. And today is opening day. Matt, we Easter. talked a little bit about the Jays game off the top. They won. Yay. Yeah. Um, but it is opening weekend. Mm. And this is a very, this is one of my favorite times of year. Normally we also have playoff hockey yes. starting around this time. So it's a little weird that we don't. Mm-hmm. But we have baseball, real life MLB regular season baseball to watch this weekend. How pumped are you? I'm I'm all in. Like baseball is one of those things for me every year that's like that that comforting friend all summer. Like it's there every day. You turn it on, even if it's just on the radio while you're cleaning the house or doing laundry or nursing a hangover on the couch or whatever might be going on. Um, it's there every day. I, I'm glad it's back. I'm more than mildly concerned with the crowds we're already seeing on the other side of the border. That's out of my hands. Uh, you people down there, you do what you got to do. Um, I think you might be a little crazy. Um, this was fun. I, I did have the, uh, the, the opening day game on while, before we recorded this, uh, while I was puttering away in the studio, Ryu looks good. Went uh, five and a third, four hits, not bad at all. Only two runs against Garrett Cole looked good. Vladdy looks like he's barreling up the ball nicely. We're going to get Springer back here in a, a couple of days. It looks like uh, within a week anyway. I, I'm I'm stoked for this baseball season. The Jays are going to be exciting. Um, if you missed it on uh, Tuesday, no, nope, Wednesday, we had Andrew Stoughton, uh, previously of The Athletic, previously of Drunk Jays fans, now writing for thebatflip.ca. Uh, really good writer. Check his work out, out, out at thebatflip.ca. Um, but he teed up the season, teed up the Blue Jays really nicely. Uh, it was a fun conversation. Um, just everything that we can expect out of this team. I think the pitching staff is concerning a little bit right now. Uh, we'll see. But one and oh, as we sit here and record right now, I'm ready for baseball. How about you? Absolutely. On pace for 162 win game season. Let's yes. do this. <laughs> Not jumping to conclusions at all. Yeah, I'm with you on the pitching thing. Um, I saw, I can't remember who said this. I wish I could credit them for it. But someone on Twitter, when when uh, it was announced that Hojin Ryu would be the starter mm-hmm. on opening day, someone tweeted, quote tweeted it and said, yeah, who else would be? <laughs> Seriously. Like, Ross Stripling, come on down, man. It's your day or whatever we're doing here. That, and that then, was one of the know, things the, we talked to Stoughton about. It was like, this management team is so weird with the things they find to be secretive. Like they treat it like the nuclear football that they're our only possible ace is going to start opening day. And it's one of those things that if they had just come out and said it to the media, everyone would have went, yeah, we know, right? Like obviously, yeah. but they treat they're it like this big this. secret, like, mm, yeah, we get it now. And the, the injuries are a little frustrating. And when I found out George Springer wasn't going to start the uh, opening game, I got a little panicked. Yeah. Um, but I realized it's, he's not out for long and no. he should be back very soon. The Kirby H thing sucks. Yes. Um, but Just there's nothing we can do about that. to Springer training. Oh. I'm sorry. There it is. I'm so well, sorry. You know, we both struggled now. a little bit today. That's, uh, I, I, <laughs> That's I, true. <laughs> it should end on a bit of a dud. But you're right. We're going to say, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah. But you no, know, you're right. Like Anthony K um, is going to see some action here. Thomas Hatch is going to miss a little bit of time. Um, we'll see what Merriweather's got. Like, uh, it's concerning. I think they're going to just try and hang, right? See where they're at around the deadline. If it's worth adding, they will. If the, if, you know, we haven't made it there, then, then they won't. But, uh, that sort of seems to be the plan. It doesn't look like you're going to see Pearson anytime soon. They're talking maybe first week of May kind of thing. So, um, you know, he didn't have a very 
good spring in terms of, he just didn't get out much, right? With the, the groin injury mm-hmm. that he was suffering through. So I am concerned about the pitching staff, but you're one and oh, and day off on Friday, you know, worn out after one day and, uh, fired up again Saturday. Yes. I will say I, I got to watch maybe like two and a half innings, uh, of the game today. Cause I, I was just really busy with work, but, uh, I got my eye on Vlad. I, I think a lot of people have their eye on Vladdy this year, looks right? Good. Came into can't, it looks good. 42 pounds lighter than last year. Um, he was looking flexible at, uh, first base. He <laughs> made a sweet one out catches. in the bottom of the eighth Ooh. to save a run, like picked a, Oh man. Like he, he just missed one. That was, uh, it was called safe. He was off the base by yeah. like an inch, yep. but he was, he was vocal. He was fighting for it. Like he, he made the next catch and got right up in the ump's face. Like <laughs> he looks dialed in. I know it's one game. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do just with it. He seems to have a very much improved mindset from last year. So I think this is going to be good. I'm so with you there. He looks ready to have a monster breakout season. Yes, please. For the love <laughs> of God, let's hit some dingers. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty perfect place to wrap it up. I didn't get to ask you though, Matt. How hmm. How is the beer? What do you think about it? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, uh, that's about all I have. IPA. It's, a, it's fine though. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind this one. We'll, uh, we'll have it up on the Instagram as we always do at tall can audio, but, um, I don't know. There's not, um, it, it, I wouldn't say bland, but it's just like someone says, here's an IPA and you just sip this one. You'd be like, yeah, okay. It's an IPA. Like there's not a whole lot special to it. That's about what I described this one. How okay. was you, how was yours? How do you, Vimy's, I mean, uh, Vimy brings the good stuff. I like the, and I really like their pale ale. Okay. Like it's a, I, I know that I think this is the East coast pale ale or I don't have the can on me okay, um, yeah. anymore. Someone took it away from me. Uh, but it, they, I know they had the East Coast and the West Coast, and I think they're bringing back. I think they're bringing back the East Coast soon. And the, I just saw. I think um, on Wednesday, I think they tweeted they were bringing it back, so uh, okay, or that it was ready go. to go again. So check. But it out, their people. standard, like their straight up pale ale, is just tasty as hell. It's got like it. I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the uh, a lot of breweries play fast and loose with the term pale ale, right? And it can mean so many different things, but this is, this is really what I expect a pale ale to be kind of like an IPA light, right? So it's somewhat milder version, but this is, you know, it's darker. It's a little, it's a little more complex, got good flavor to it. It's not too, too bitter too or too, too heavy clocks in at about 5%. So you're not, you know, IPAs can be risky um, percentage wise. So I've, I, I, Vimy pale ale is just a good kind of, go-to for me that and their cream ale their cream ale is delicious well it's been about 24 hours since the uh, keg went into the fridge and they say that's about what you should give it to settle right as you're adjusting the co2 and stuff so when we finish recording here i will be going to uh, to just to test it right just to make sure it's good only out of a sense of responsibility and care absolutely yeah, I gotta it's in the sure. name of science of course come on uh so check it we will even uh we'll We'll, we'll put up a couple pictures of the uh, new keg fridge set up uh, on our yes. Instagram at Telecan Audio. I want to see that. Yes. Uh, all right. That seems like a good place to uh, to wrap it up. So thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. We'll see you next time on Tall Can Audio. Peace. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double track does what the f*** he wants. Uh, okay, I'm going to call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com.
Bum bum.